welcome back to another episode of Faith on the Go podcast. This episode is from August 13th, the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. I wanted to thank you for continuing to listen and subscribing for whenever you subscribe from. Just to keep your listeners and subscribers up to date, I'm sorry we have missed some Sundays. I'll try to keep our weekly episodes current and try to get them early in the week from the past Sunday. Summer continues to surprise us with last-minute things that come up. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Our first reading comes from 1 Kings. On Mount Horeb, where God appeared to Moses with typical signs of God's presence, earthquake, wind, and fire, Elijah now experienced God in sheer silence. God assured Elijah that he is not the only faithful believer. 7,000 Israelites are still loyal. God instructed Elijah to anoint two men as kings and to anoint Elijah as his own successor. At Horeb, the Mount of God, Elijah came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I've been very zealous of the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant. Throw down your altars and kill your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there he came a voice to him that said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I've been very zealous of the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant. Throw down your altars and kill your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel, king over Aram. You shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elijah, son of Seraphat, Abel, Mohala as prophet in your place 
whoever escapes from the sword of Hazel, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elijah should kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to bowl and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading comes from Romans chapter 10. A right relationship with God is not something we achieve by heroic efforts. That is a gift received in the proclamation whose contact is Jesus Christ. This proclaimed word creates our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hence, Christian proclamation is, in, is an indispensable component of God's saving actions. Reread. Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law, that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteous that comes from the faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe if one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side of the Sea of Galilee while he dismissed the crowds. 
And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain to pray, by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. And I invite you to join me in a word of prayer. O God, we thank you for this day that you have made, for the opportunity to gather together with your people, not only here in this place, but together with your people all over the world, in all places, in all nations, um, in all languages. Thank you for the gift of your church. Gather us together again around your word to hear what you are saying to us, to find life in that and to find strength, um, to find what we need for this day, for this time, for the challenges that we face. Speak to us, Lord, that we may hear you and know you. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Let the church say, Amen. So our psalm today began with the statement, I will listen to what the Lord God is saying. I will listen to what the Lord God is saying. Church, what is the basis of hope in your life? What is the basis of hope in your life? Sometimes this powerful word is dismissed as mere wishful thinking for what might be. But a closer examination reveals a significant resource for resilience, adaptability, and resourcefulness in the face of adversity. Perhaps you've heard it said or even said yourself that hope is not a strategy. And that may be true. But consider for a moment the implications of a life that is devoid of hope. What happens to a person who gives up hope? Or a community that loses its capacity to see the good in others? or the possibility of what could be accomplished together. Equally powerful words like cynicism, apathy, and despair come to mind. 
A world without hope is one ruled by our basest instincts with little time for things like beauty, creativity, or love. Today's readings suggest that this is also a world with little room for God, where God's still, small voice is crowded out by our own agendas and concerns. What wears away at hope in your life? And what restores it? Rather than wishing for what might be, what helps you discover what you actually have? What God is giving you and calling forth in you right now? Sometimes these things hide in plain sight and it takes a different orientation to discern them. It often takes time and intentionality that our world is unwilling to allow. But for those who ask and who search, something amazing awaits. Today's first reading recalled the prophet Elijah's epic conflict with Israel's unfaithfulness because of their turning to Baal, a word literally meaning Lord, who represented the cults of fertility and rebirth in the nations surrounding ancient Israel. Elijah had convincingly demonstrated God's power against the impotence of Baal, but this only resulted in his persecution by Israel's rulers, forcing him to flee for his life. Today's reading finds him hiding in a cave and experiencing God's voice in the form of a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah's response echoed the obstacles to hope that are common to us all. While the circumstances may differ, we all have times when it seems that our best efforts have been in vain, that nobody is on our side, and that everything is falling apart. Anybody ever felt that way before? <laughs> yeah. Well, God's response to Elijah sets up one of the most memorable and vivid scenes in all of Scripture as Elijah encounters wind, earthquake, and fire, only to eventually be confronted with sheer silence, where God finally meets him. And yet, after all the drama, he's asked the same question. I don't know if you noticed that. God asks the very same question that set it up at the beginning. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And Elijah gave his same anxious response, but something had changed. His circumstances were as grim as ever, but God's activity was revealed to him in a way that he couldn't see before. All was not in vain. There were people on his side, and God's judgments would finally prevail. 
The circumstances were different for Jesus' disciples in today's gospel reading, but the feelings of hopelessness and vulnerability were also there. As I noted in the children's message, the church has sometimes been imagined as a boat, and some church buildings, including this one, have been designed with this in mind. Like the disciples battered by the waves and with the wind against them, Jesus' church is sent into a world of risk and danger and peril. And these circumstances are such that we may be tempted to lose hope, giving up on the places where we are sent to play it safe instead on the shore. I think the great irony of the church in our time is that we command so much security and stability in the midst of a world that is adrift and searching right now. Our hopelessness might masquerade as steadiness and strength, even as Jesus would put us right out there into the midst of the fears and the uncertainty that are all around us. The Apostle Paul reflected that a right relationship with God through faith is not one that establishes Jesus for us as something that we control, but rather the recognition of Jesus' nearness to all who call upon him, all who experience that anxiety and fear of what's going to happen next, calling out and asking for help amid all those things that cause us to be afraid recognizing Jesus' power to save. Jesus was near to the disciples amid the very circumstances that caused them fear. And indeed, they even thought that he was a ghost, an apparition of their worst fears come to life. And yet, it was in what they feared the most that Jesus was present to them, beckoning with what seemed absolutely impossible. Besides being imagined as a boat, another biblical image for the church, of course, is the body of Christ, the very one who came walking on the sea and inviting Peter to join him there. Church, when you listen to what God is saying, there is power and capacity for things you didn't think were possible things that our world needs and that you are invited to share. Jesus has called you to the opposite of despair and your very life is a means of hope. Amen.